Uh, very, very good. That was great, man. The master's degree, it's a great opportunity. Enrollment starts up, the four plus one. You can start right out of, out of your undergrad and get that baby done. I waited till I was 45 to get my master's. I wish I would have done it back in my 20s or 30s. Um, but anyway, it's a great opportunity, totally affordable. Do it quick right after your undergrad. It's all set up for you here at North Central. So see one of the advisors on that. How many of you would never have noticed I had no shoes on today? Um, but how many, how many already noticed I had no shoes? Because you saw me take them off. Really? You noticed that quick? Now, if I was barefoot, you would have really noticed because uh, I got some ugly feet. Um, <laughs> but I came across a great opportunity, and I was asked to do this, and I, I thought it was phenomenal. So I'm going to preach today without my shoes. Um, where is where is Jenna Donovan? Where where are you at, Jenna? Where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? Right there. Stand up tall. <laughs> Jenna came to me, <coughs> and uh, she is advocating for a great ministry called Give Hope to Kids. Um, you've seen them fundraising around campus. The organization is a children's home in Honduras. They have three homes, all staffed by Hondurans. Uh, which is wonderful because this empowers and stabilizes their country. Uh, but there are about 34 children in homes who cannot go to school because they don't have uh, little black shoes. How often do, you, do we go through our day unaware of how blessed we are simply because we have shoes on our feet today? I'm just helping you be aware uh, of our blessing by, by not wearing my shoes in this nice controlled environment. Uh, so they're asking for a $10 donation around campus, uh, and it helps buy a pair of shoes uh, for some children in Honduras. Speaking of Honduras, uh, um, this is fascinating. I didn't even make the connection till now. I haven't had a chance to introduce somebody very special to us. Um, we've had an interim vice president of uh, business and finance, which is one of the most important roles in this university. Um, we've had a phenomenal interim VP of finance, uh, Jan Hawes. He'll be around for a little bit longer. I'll, I'll, I'll take a moment to introduce him later to thank him. But today, I haven't had a chance to introduce our brand new vice president of business and finance, Oscar Mendoza. Would you come up here real quick? This is our new VP of finance and business. Oscar has a just a, a great career from Columbia University in New York to Fuller. Uh, he's, been a, he's a credentialed Assemblies of God minister, and I just want him to take 30 seconds to say hi. Hi. That's good right there. <laughs> good morning, all. Buenos dias. <laughs> the, con <laughs> the connection with Honduras is that I, I was born in the country right next to Honduras. They're our next-door neighbor. Uh, Nicaragua in the country of Nicaragua and we are so blessed so blessed to be here with you today I am here today because God brought me to you and I bring in 10 seconds I bring what God gave to me six weeks ago God got totally surprised me Minnesota was not even in my plans but it was in God's plans and how many of you believe that prayer answers everything it's the key to give you access to heaven through Christ Jesus. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. This is, this is what God gave to me and my family. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. Past successes and failures, but successes overall. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? 
God gave me this word back in February 11, 2018. And before that, in May 2004, while I was driving in Mexico, and I had no clue. And God gave me this verse within the last two major milestone transitions for me and my family. Once before we moved to Southern California for an entire decade, and most recently before coming to Minnesota. So I am here with you today, President Hagen, because God told us, I'm doing a new thing in a place that you've never been before. And I had to say to God, I want in. Come on, come on. I don't want to miss it. And I believe that God is doing amazing things from freshmen to seniors into a master's program. And trust me, the best is yet to come. Hey, man, you're going to enjoy hearing from Vice President Mendoza a lot. Uh, he's a great speaker, great preacher, great family, and a wonderful man. So um, just kind of freestyling a little bit in the, the Lord today. Um, I spoke this morning at a Concordia uh, High School, uh, the concert chorale. We were over at Concordia. And uh, I shared something I've never shared before. I'm going to share it here today, um, just in my opening thoughts here, because we've only got about 20 minutes here together, is, is um, I saw a t-shirt at Target a couple weeks ago, and it caught my eye. Um, the t-shirt said, in a world of horses, be a unicorn. Um, now, <coughs> here's the deal. We all know what that means, be, be unique and be, find your voice, uh, be different. But when I saw the shirt, that's not what I thought about. I thought about something else. It said, in a world of horses, be a unicorn. And I, and I thought to myself, I don't think that's our problem anymore. Because... I'm living in a world of unicorns. I can no longer find a horse. Where's the horses? What do you mean? Everybody's a unicorn. Where's the horse? Where is the strong, stable, consistent leader in person that this society needs to be in everybody's pursuit to be a unicorn, the world is missing its horses. I'm not saying don't be unique, but I think what makes you unique is not what you're being led to believe. I believe the horse is the new unicorn. That's gonna be my shirt, man. The horse is the new unicorn. Maybe that'll be our theme next year. Like, what's that? Oh, man, the horse is the new unicorn, bro. The horse is the new unicorn. Somehow being... Old school and being character-driven and stable and filled with God's word and doing the same thing every single day the right way in Jesus is what's going to be the distinguishing factor in your life. And as everybody tries to be unique, man, let's be complete. And instead of trying to always be unique, seek to be complete before you seek to be unique. And I believe that's what will make you stand out and distinguishable in our, in our world. So another verse of scripture, which I thought was cool today, 2 Timothy um, chapter 4, you don't need to turn there, but there's just a phrase 
that I've never seen this before in this context. The Apostle Paul's at the end of his life. We're going to be in Joshua 14 in about one minute. Uh, but 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is talking at the end of his imprisonment, his second imprisonment, uh, a more robust uh, incarceration. He says... Uh, only Luke is with me when you come bring John Mark. And you've heard me talk about the ability. It's not about building new relationships. It's about the ability to restore broken ones. That's going to make you different. Anybody can start a brand new relationship. Very few people have the skill set to restore broken, broken relationships. Paul calls back in John Mark after really two decades of being <coughs> a separate one from another. And he restores that broken relationship. Then he says this. Uh, Tychicus or Tychukos, depending on your translation or how you, how you were taught to say it, I have sent to Ephesus. I have sent. And I thought about the great millennial or Z challenge uh, that we have in this generation is, is we want to get ours before we give away anything. We have to get ours. And we still feel that other people's success is going to rob our potential. So we're late to the game in helping other people be everything they can be in the Lord. What's going to distinguish you is your ability early on in your leadership life to give things away and to release, not to hoard. And so I saw this. I've sent this person. When we're young, when we're younger in leadership, it's all about on our resume, I went to Ephesus. As you mature in leadership, it shifts to I sent not I went. Because we tend to think I can't, I can't send anybody till I go myself. And I just want to plant the idea early and huge in your heart that what's going to distinguish you in your leadership life is I sent somebody. I raised them up. I discipled them. I nurtured them. I released them. It's not about, hey, I went there. I went there. Well, I got to go. I went, I went, I went, I went. It's going to be the Lord used my life. I sent, I sent, I sent, I sent. Not I went, I went, I went, I went. Now, I love to go places. I went to Minneapolis from California. That's a went uh, in my life. Uh, so you're going you're gonna to went. I went places. But don't put off the idea that I sent somebody somewhere too. Um, all right, Joshua 14. Man, we got about nine minutes. Let's go for this. Joshua chapter 14. Now, I know this is a story of an old, older man. He's 85 years of age, but there's something in the story that I think talks about being the horse, not the unicorn. Here we go. Verse 6. Then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua and Gilgal. I gave you this verse of scripture earlier this year, I believe, in one of my messages, but I want to draw your attention to something a little bit different in the text. Um, they drew near to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb... Um, said to him, you know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, uh, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. Remember, you cannot hide your heart. Whatever fills, it spills. And people are either going to feel faith or they're going to feel fear being around you. They're going to feel an optimism in God. They're going to have this idea that like, by all means, we should go take it. Let's go do it. Or they're going to live with hesitancy. They're going to pump the brakes because you've just emanated this fearful scarcity mindset 
about the future because you think somebody's success is robbing your potential. We don't live in that sense of scarcity, you guys. We live in a sense of abundance. I mentioned the other day, we, we're not generous because God is generous. We're generous because God is limitless, okay? Nobody, there's plenty of wind in the harbor to sail every ship, okay? Nobody's stealing your wind, nobody. So Caleb tells Moses, hey, 45 years ago, we had a conversation. Moses told the two of us that when we got to this space in life that we were gonna get X amount of land these promises, it was the close of escrow on the land of promise. So Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you and for your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God fully. There's a great reward. There's a price to pay, but there's a reward to receive when you follow the Lord fully. It may take four and a half decades for God to deliver the package. But there is a powerful reward, not simply a cost, to following the Lord fully. Because you have followed the Lord fully for 45 years, the Lord delivered the package that Caleb had been waiting for his whole life. Then Caleb says this. Now the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years. From the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I'm 85 years old. 85 is the new 40 in the story. I am still as strong today as I was in the day when Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war, for going out, for coming in. Now then, give me the hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there. And I mentioned this last semester. The Anakim were these eight-foot inhabitants, these giants um, that were part of uh, the enemy, and they had to be displaced and defeated. It was dis they were disproportionate in size physically to the Israelites. It took a step of faith to be able to bridge with courage that discrepancy between them and the Anakim, these giants. He said, the Anakim are in the hill country. They have fortified cities. He said, perhaps the Lord will be with me. One of the most important phrases in the Bible. If you need guarantees, you cannot lead. He said, perhaps the Lord will be with me. Now we walk in confidence, but we don't know. We may end up as a martyr in that space. We don't know the ultimate outcome. He said, perhaps the Lord will be with me. He said, and we, we will go fight. He goes on to say, uh, now then, uh, Perhaps the Lord will be with me. I'll drive them out as the Lord has spoken. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb uh, because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. Three times this is mentioned. Four decades in the making, a reward had been prepared and was now released after 45 years, because he followed the Lord fully for 45 years. It's hard for us to do it for four or five minutes, four or five months, four or five days. It's hard for us to say fully committed to the Lord. So 45 years, he waited for this package to arrive. He didn't deteriorate. He developed over 45 years of waiting. You know, we, we get to a point in the waiting process and we start to deteriorate and, said, and we, we no longer develop. Everybody around Caleb failed. Everybody in his generation failed. He was at least 20 years older, him and Joshua, than the oldest male in all of Israel because they were 40 when God gave the promise. No one over 20 lived in the wilderness except them. 
So they're at least 20 years older than every other male. Can you imagine being the oldest dudes by 20 years in the entire nation? And they're talking and dialoguing. And he said, I've been waiting for this moment. So Joshua gives Caleb, his buddy, the hill country where the Anakim are. Then it says, now the name of Ebron was formerly Kiriath Arba, the, the four cities, uh, the place of four cities. And it could have been the, because of the four patriarchs or, the, or the, the spouses or the three patriarchs and their spouses, or the couples. There's, there is some discrepancy on where the name comes from. But Arba, the second half of the name means it's a giant, one of the Anakim. He was the chief, the greatest man among the Anakim. Then the Lord had rest. So, so he asked for Ebron. I got this in three minutes. So he asked for the hill country and he asked where the giants lived in the fortified cities. So watch this. Part of following the Lord fully is your willingness to take the absolute toughest assignments to your generation, the toughest assignments to your generation, not the easiest. When you're 85, man, you want the chill country, not the hill country. You want, you want it's time to just kind of put it on cruise control. You certainly don't want the hills and the giants when you're 85 years of age unless you're following the Lord God fully and you've been waiting for God to fulfill something in your life for four and a half decades and now God is fulfilling it. And instead of wanting the easiest assignment, he wants the hardest. So as you go through North Central University, I want to plant within you the idea of the toughest assignment, not the easiest assignment. Where's the hills and where's the giants? Now, what's at stake? I have two minutes. He gave him Ebron. Ebron was the place where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were buried. Their spouses were buried there. Ebron had been attacked by uh, Arba, this Anakim, these giants. So great was the conquest that the identity of Ebron was changed to the conquered identity, not the created identity. I think this is what I taught you last semester. I want to reset this. The conquered identity became its name. We have young people all over this nation and world that are living by their conquered identity. We have put so much emphasis on identity. I shared this in a class the other day that we have missed, while we're fighting over identity, sexual identity, and this identity, and that identity, racial identity, all the identities, we are missing the fact that we're made in the image of God. And we, we, we wrestle and we fight for identity and we miss image. And so while we do this, at the end of the day, while we're fighting over identities, the enemy's just laughing his head off at us because we have missed the common image of God that all of us are made in, the simplicity, whether he's not even a male or female, made in the image of God. And so what happens is, Ebron, it's created image, it's a type and a metaphor of the enemy, this, this Arba, the nine-footer among the eight-footers, the greatest among the giants, comes and conquers Ebron. So great was his victory that the identity of the community changed for hundreds of years. Until one guy came in and restored it because he wanted the hardest assignment, not the easiest. Give me the hills and give me the giants. I'm 85 years old. I'm 20 years older than every dude in this nation. Give me the hardest assignment. And from that point forward in scripture, it's restored to Ebron. What's at stake is that people are gonna live the rest of their existence in their conquered identities because no one had, no one's walking fully with the Lord. 
And they don't want the hard assignments, they want the easy ones. And so our society, our cities, our communities are trapped in their conquered identities instead of being restored to their created identities. Kiriath Arba was restored to Ebron. When you read through the book of Judges, and I'm done here, let's all stand together. When you read through the book of Judges, it lists all of the tribes of Israel as they dispossessed and took the land. When you read it, it says the tribe of Reuben, Issachar, all these tribes. It says that they established the land but did not drive out the enemy except for one person. It says that Caleb thoroughly drove out all the enemy. The one dude who's 85 is the only one who drove out all of the enemy from his land. The armies and the tribes of Israel, as they're broken down, none of them displaced the enemy thoroughly and completely. That's what's at stake. You may feel like an underdog. The way this older guy could have said, I'm just too old for this. You might say, I'm too young for this. It's the same lie. You're not too young, neither was Caleb too old. I just want you to not simply follow the Lord fully, but understand that if you will take the hard assignments, the hills and the giants, you will participate in the restoration of people's lives, cities and communities, maybe even nations, in which their conquered identities are now restored to their created identities. That's my prayer for all of our ministries that we would see this happen in the individual as well as the large scale. So I'm gonna pray for you and uh, let's go out in a world of unicorns. Let's go be a horse. Jesus, I just ask for strong, stable, consistent, dynamic men and women, God, who can be counted on. And Father, I pray that that's what will make them the unicorn, Lord, in this culture that is obsessed with creativity, God where it's all about the icing and not about the cake. It's all about the outward, Lord, and that last edge of getting people's attention span. God, all of that new currency, Lord, I pray you would help us navigate through it, Lord, and live deeply rooted lives, God. Men and women of character, anointing, creativity, God, innovation, all of it, Lord, bring it to pass. And Father, give us the hills and give us the giants, God, and let every graduate from this university, Lord, everybody who works here, serves here, say, Lord, give me the hardest assignments, not the easiest ones, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. If you guys want to come and pray, you're free to do it. God bless.